This podcast is brought to you by Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We are going to continue our series tonight. I want to talk to you about the title, if you're taking notes, it's called Understanding the Supernatural. We are going to go through a lot of scriptures, so I encourage you to kind of just keep going through that. Um, this will come back up on the podcast And I want to go through scripture because I want you to understand the truth and what the Lord is teaching us here and how everything that I'm talking about and the things that the stories that I share and the things that I've seen in the supernatural, how they tie right back into the word. And so we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9 is where we're going to start. So go ahead and turn there. Um, We're going to kind of stay in the Old Testament for some of it. So you may want to put a marker kind of in that area so you can get back there pretty quick. But we're going to continue this. Once again, the title is Understanding the Supernatural. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for the blessed opportunity you give us to come into your house. Father, I thank you for the blessings, just even in worship, to remember the more we seek you, the more we find you. Father, I thank you that 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 is such truth. And so, Father, I ask for your blessing and your peace upon this message tonight. I pray that you would help me to speak it with simplicity and clarity. Father, that you give me thoughts and ideas things that I'd plan on not saying so that the lives would be affected and touched and know how much you truly love them. And so, Lord, we love you. We're expecting great things in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, one of the thoughts I had while we were singing that song, you know, that song says, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. It just forgot the next part. The more I love you, the more I seek you. See, it's a circle. Because the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find God, the more I fall in love with God. The more I fall in love with God, the more I wanna seek God. The more I wanna seek God, the more I find God. The more I find God, the more I love God. You wanna know how to keep that going? Continue that cycle. Let's get out of the old cycles that we don't trust in what God's doing. Let's go, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. The more I love you, the more I seek you. Keep that cycle going and watch what God does. All right, 1 Samuel chapter nine. One of the things that I wanna kind of refer to is I want you to understand that there's a gift out there. I talked last week and I read through all the the gifts of the spirit. And one of the gifts is the discerning of spirits. And this is where I was talking about um, some of the gifts and the things that I've done. For example, I've seen, I can see in the spiritual realm at certain times, not all the time, but at certain times I can see in the spiritual realm. I've seen angels, I've seen demons. Um, I've seen many, many, many visions. I've seen the hands of God. I've seen Jesus, I've seen, I mean, I I can tell you time and time again, I could, it would take me weeks to go through everything because every time I start thinking of one of my stories, all of a sudden it goes to another one and it goes to another one. And so what I want you to understand about this is this is a gift from God because some people have questioned this and I'm not saying in our church, but other people have said, why would God give a gift like this? Read the Bible when he talks about the one that was in hell He went down and he said, Lord, if you'll just show my brothers, they'll know not to come down here and they'll go to you. And they said, we've shown enough to your brothers. They should know that God is real. And so a lot of people said, well, if they didn't show him the supernatural, then why are they showing you the supernatural? And I said, I don't know why God picked me. I have no idea. I can tell you this. When I was was talking with pastor earlier about this, And I said this, the main thing that I can tell you how God really moves in your life is through humility. That's how God truly starts multiplying and moving through your life. One of the um, 
stories I was telling him and I was just kind of talking about this. When I was first in the ministry, which would have been around 2004, 2003, somewhere around in there, um, we had gone to the men's conference. It was up in Glorietta. Some of you were probably at this men's conference if you've been going for many, many years. And it was, it was my first one. I was on staff at the church in Clovis and I'd been helping uh, with the cameras. And I, I was videoing from different angles and kind of doing different stuff the whole time while we were there. Well, my friend who was gonna come next, no, two weeks from now, Kelly Castleman, he and I had kind of connected because our spirits were very kindred. Um, we both function in the same gift and it's fun to sit there and talk about what I see and how he sees it and what he sees. And it's just amazing to see what God does while we sit there and we talk. Because a lot of times I'll see part, he'll see part and all of a sudden the whole picture will come together. And it's amazing how I'm like, I don't know what I'm seeing. And he's going, I don't know what I'm seeing. Then all of a sudden God goes, well, let me show you what you're seeing. But so we're at this men's conference and there was another guy that was there that could see in the spiritual realm also. He would see, in fact, he saw even more than Kelly saw. He could see him literally every day he was seeing spirits, either demons or angels. And I had met him a few times, but he kept forgetting my name. And so he started calling me Angel Boy. He couldn't remember who I was. So he's like, Angel Boy, you know, the guy, the boy, the guy over there, Angel Boy. And that's how he kept referring to me. And I was like, why do you call me that? And he said, well, because you've got an angel around you all the time. And I was like, oh, wow, well, that's kind of cool. You know, I'm like, and because a lot of times, to be honest, I can't see my own angel. I can see a lot of your angels, but I don't see my angel very often. And I don't know why that is. Um, but I remember as we're sitting there talking, I was kind of like, wow, this is, this is pretty amazing. And I was talking to Kelly about it uh, a little while after that. And I remember him looking at me and saying, there's two, there, there's two things that I've found that bring the spirit back in more. He said, number one is humility. He said, you're very humble in all that you do. You're very humble. And he said, the second part is you love people. And, and, and I don't know where God, God gave me this gift. He, you know, one of the things that I've, I've never really struggled with is seeing who you are today. Meaning this, that I may know your past, but it doesn't matter because I see you today. And that's who you are. This is who you are today, this person right here. Pastor talks about his past and I, and I hear the stories and I'm like, doesn't change the way I view him today because this is who I see today. And, and it's one of those things that I think that's how God sees a lot of us. He doesn't see you based on your past. He sees you based on today, who you are today. And I think that's the reality that we have to get to. And so as we understand this, God talks about this gift in the Old Testament, he refers to it as seers, S-E-E-R-S, -E -E seers, seer. Um, when you read the book uh, that Kelly Castleman wrote, if many of you have read that, he continues to talk about this thing that they're called, they, he continually is referred to by demons when they see him as a seer. And he thought it was just the name that they gave him. But I will tell you this, they refer to me as a seer also. They've said things like seer, this is, and then they'll say something. And a lot of times I don't pay attention to what they're saying, but um, the gift of being a seer has always been around. When you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that like King David, he had a man named Gad who was with him, who they referred to as his seer. 
And so I just want to point this out because I want you to understand this. First Samuel chapter nine, verse nine, it says, in those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer. For the prophets used to be called seers. And what he's talking about, seers are ones that could see in the spiritual realm. They could see visions. They can see things that are going on. I've worked in the, the gift of uh, discernment where I can see things. I've also worked in the gift of prophecy where God will show me a vision and I will describe that vision to them. This is what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm seeing with you. This happened, this happened, this happened, and this is where God's going. And that's how God works through some different things. And so this gift that helps me to go through this, I want you to understand the reason why God does this is to show you through the Bible and the, my testimonies, these stories that I'm sharing, they are all ways to point back to the truth that God has. See, when, when prophecy is given, it is for edifying you and helping you. It's to build you up in those areas. And this is what God is trying to do with each and every one of us is to understand that the supernatural is real that there are things that we are dealing with and going through every single day. And so as we understand that there are these gifts that we can see, I promise you and I tell you this, there are two sides. When we talk about there's light and there's dark, there is light and there is dark. I've talked about uh, when I was growing up, I would see this, this, what I would call a ghost because that's the only way I could refer to it. And then I talked about these shadowy things that used to move around. And it was the difference between one was light and the others were dark, very dark. And this is what it comes back down to. There is angels, there are demons, there is a God, and there is a devil. And that is the thing that we have to truly understand. I shared, I shared this uh, quote, but I wanna remind you again. It was a quote from a movie, and I think it's the greatest thing that we've heard that helps me to understand about humanity today. The greatest trick that was ever played on humanity was convincing the world that the devil doesn't exist. See, if the devil doesn't exist, then we're free to live any way we want because if the devil doesn't exist, then God doesn't exist. So as we walk through this, I want you to understand that there's an enemy that is out there and his goal is to destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10 says a thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, yet I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. See, when we talk about the enemy, I want you to understand this first. He has a goal in mind. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm just going to reference it due to time because we're going to zip through this pretty quick. It teaches us that the, the enemy throws fiery darts. See, if you were here last week, you heard me talk about, I think it was last week or the week before, when I was talking about when I was a kid, the best way that I could describe the angel that I was seeing was a ghost because that's all I knew. That's all I could refer it to or relate it to. See, when, when the Bible talks about this, that there are fiery darts, let me explain what those are. Okay, there are two things that are going on here. The first thing is this, there are these little demons and they're little, remember this, I want you to understand this, I've talked about this before. Demons are about this big when they manifest themselves as a real. I've seen them this size all the way to about this size. This is about the biggest one I've ever seen. He's four, four foot, five foot, somewhere right in there. And the thing about it is, these ones run a muck, man. They run a terror, they do all these things. This one, the one I saw that was about this size, man, he just kinda, he just, he was a generational curse that was connected to this girl 
We cast the demon out of her. And this demon was like, whenever you say in the name of Jesus, they normally like run, like, like scared, like, I mean, just freaked out, frightened, scared things. And they take off. This one that was about five foot tall, about four and a half, five foot tall, somewhere in there. He, he was a weirdest looking one I've ever seen. I mean, there are some crazy looking ones. I'm going to tell you that the, the spirit of homosexuality, that one makes the other demons throw up. That's how disgusting he is. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He is there and, and understand it. Spirits attack and they are associated with specific things. And I'm going to get into more detail on that here in just a little bit. But this one was a generational curse. And what happened was, is when we cast him out, I looked over and I saw him. And most of the time, like I said, they would flee. This one just kind of walked like this and he just stared at me. And he looked and he referred back to me and said, see her? He said, I'm leaving because you're here. But he said, when you leave, I'm coming back. And I looked and I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. And at that point, most of the time, they'll sprint, they'll just disappear. He just turned and looked and just walked. He just kept walking like this. I got up and took a step at him. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't because he was, I was like, <laughs> go. And he was, but it was weird. He had like the, the his, he had scales on and he kind of looked like a snake up here, but then had a face of, a, it was weird. It was the weirdest one I've ever seen that looked like that. And he got out, he went outside and he was standing in the front yard while we were in there. And when we finished and I, I walked out there, he looked at me and walked off and I didn't see him anymore. But I told that girl, I said, you need to get faithful. You need to get trusting in the Lord because the Bible teaches us that when you cast the demon out, you're gonna clean your home. He's going to get seven more and he's coming back to get back into his home. If you don't clean it up and fill it with the right things. I don't know what happened with her, but I will tell you this, generational curses don't like to leave. They've been there for generations but it's true. There are generational curses. And so as we continue to go through this, I want you to understand this, that there are these little demons that are around. Um, the way that Kelly and I, we call them reporters. These reporter demons are little demons. They hide in the corners. They hide just out of sight. And what they do, when the Bible talks about that they throw fiery darts, what they're doing is they're throwing these little things. They look like darts. They're, they're, they're these, they look like pins that are on fire. And what they do is they throw them at you. And when they throw them at you, sometimes they'll hit and you'll see them just fall to the side and they'll fall to the side and they, they just, they hit and they do this. And then every once in a while they'll stick. Well, what the Bible talks about in that point is those are thoughts that they're giving. It's thoughts that you're entertaining. You're choosing to either cast that thought down and what they're doing is they're just testing out. Does this mess with them? Nope. Does this mess with them? Nope. Does this, oh, that stuck, they make a note. And they know that if you dwell on those thoughts, because remember this, it starts with a thought, moves to the heart and becomes more of you. The more you dwell on it, the more you'll act in it. And that's what it keeps coming back to. So they're testing because they don't know everything about you except the words that you speak. They understand that, but they don't know here. They know what you've done and they've got all the notes. And those things are thoughts that they're throwing, seeing if they're going to stick and that's going to affect you. And so as it continues to go through this, that's why the Bible says, throw down every thought that is not of God. Cast down those images. And the goal of the enemy, I want you to understand these thoughts. His two main goals is this. 
He wants to isolate and he wants to deceive. Isolate and deceive. How many of you ever watched uh, like the animal channel? How many have watched when the lions attack the gazelles? Who are they going after when they do it? Are they going after the pack, the herd? No, they're going after the one that's out here, right? What they do is they get them and then you'll watch. They'll cut through the middle and they'll see what happens. And the closer they stay as a group, the safer you are. But the one that they can get isolated out here, you watch, they all go after that one. They'll, all seven will attack that one. Not keep going after the herd. They're just going after the one that's isolated. Well, guess what? The enemy is the exact same way. His goal is to isolate you. When you become isolated, you you become vulnerable. You become the one that they're going to attack. So when they can isolate you, then they can start to deceive you. And a lot of times isolation comes because of pride. And I want you to understand this. James 4, 8 says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. The closer you get to the Lord, understand, he'll try to affect you, but it will not stick to you. The more you get away from the Lord, the more vulnerable you will become. Understand this, humility and the love of God can bring you so close. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. Not saying who I used to be, but who I am, I choose to be this way. This is what it comes back down to. Pride is one of the keys that leads to isolation. I can do it. Statements, I got this. I, I, I forget about God pretty quick when it becomes about me. See, when you read this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, and for time's sake, I'm just gonna read it. It says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. See, these are not from the Father, but they are from the world. What he's talking about is pride is the thing that will start to lead you away. See, sometimes we've had people that have come into the church and said, well, I'll give a million dollars, but I want this, 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 and this with it. Well, that's not humility. That is pride. I want people to know how special I am by giving this money. But I'll tell you what, the people that are honored by God, that God blesses more than anything I've ever seen, are not the ones that are saying, look at me. They're saying, here's what I'm doing. I don't want any credit. I don't want any credit at all. This is for God. This is what it's about. And it's the choices that we choose to make. See, a lot of times people are looking for the glorification in man instead of being glorified by God. See, God doesn't want to make it about you. He'll make it about you when you choose to make it about him. When you choose to make it about you and say, God, I want them to look at me, you lose everything from him. Because this is where it should go is right up that direction. See, after isolation, you will deal with the spirit of deception. And I'm gonna prove that real quick right here in Genesis chapter three. In the very first real story that we start to deal with, the enemy. And I want you to listen to the words that we read right here. Genesis chapter three, verse one. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, that you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? Did he really say that? See, here he is questioning the governance of truth of God. Did he really say that? I don't know if he really said that. It says, verse two, it says, of course we may eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden, the woman replied. 
Verse 3, it is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. See, she added into God's work right there at that point. So the enemy jumped on that. He jumped on that right there. Because God didn't say anything about touching. He said, don't go near it. He said, don't eat it. But then it goes on, verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, where's Adam in this story? Who's Eve with right here at this point? The serpent. That's it. She's isolated. She is isolated. And then she's trying to be prideful in the statements that she's saying. Well, even God said... He didn't say that. He said, don't eat and don't touch. No, that's adding into God's word. But listen to what happens in verse six. This is the key. The woman was convinced. How did she become convinced? Because she was isolated and deceived. She finally was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. See, here's what happens. It didn't just automatically, like sometimes we think we read the Bible and it's like, bam, 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 bam. See, what happened was, is it started a conversation. She was isolated with the serpent. The serpent kept convincing her, kept convincing her, kept doing those things. Kept saying, kept saying, kept saying, kept saying, kept saying. Finally, she entertained one of those thoughts instead of casting it down. Eventually, she didn't just entertain it. She took it to heart. When she took it to heart, she said, you know what? You're right. She was convinced. See, that's what happens all the time. I can tell you this. If I stop seeing you come to church, I can tell you this. There's something going to happen. One of two things are usually going to happen. One, you're either going to humble yourself and come back to church and say, you know what? Man, I've really screwed up. Or two, you're going to make an excuse and go somewhere else whether that be another church or whether you just stop going to church altogether. Because here's the deal. I'm gonna be 100% honest. This is not the perfect church. There is no perfect church. But I will tell you this, the more that you let the devil convince you that this isn't the right church for you, the more you'll believe it. But I'm gonna tell you this, this is the right church for you. This is the best church for you. This is why my wife and I have never left this church. We've been loyal because this is where God called us. Do we agree with everything? No, but who cares? I don't agree with everything that goes on in the world. It's my job to either believe and pray or continue to bellyache and cry about it. I choose to pray because I know this, God can do a whole lot more than my bellyache can do. It can lift up those things. And so understand this, the more that you get convinced of those things, the more pride comes into your life. The more that those things start to happen. Eve was convinced. See, the spirit of deception, here's what happens. Here's how the spirit of deception works. The Lord showed me this one day, and I've explained this to some, some people, but I'm gonna explain it to everybody because I want you to understand this. See, the spirit of deception is real. The Bible talks about it. In fact, it shares it in 1 Timothy chapter four, and I'm gonna share this, and then I'm gonna go back and explain it real quick. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there real quick. If not, due to time, you're more than welcome to just sit and listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter four, then we're gonna go to 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. Some will turn away from the true faith. See, he's explaining this. They will follow deceptive spirits 
The spirit of deception is what he's talking about. The spirit that has to come in first. See, God can't convince, I mean, the devil can't convince you of something until you start to believe it. And you can't start to believe it until you get deceived in those things. But it continues to go on. They will follow the deceptive spirits and the teaching that come from the demons. Verse two, these people are hypocrites and liars and their, conscien- their, con- their consciences are dead. See, what he's talking about, and what he's talking about right here is the spirit of deception comes into them. What the spirit of deception is, is it basically, the easiest way I can explain it to you, and then I'll give you a visual of it, is it deceives you. It changes what you think. It, it makes what is good bad and what is bad good. So instead of saying, that's bad, or that's, let's say that this way, that's wrong, this is the right thing for me to do. What happens is there's this veil that comes over you. And the best way I can explain it, it's like when you were a kid and you would put a sheet over you. And you'd look around at everybody and you could kind of see these silhouettes and you could hear these voices. And what has happened is, the best way I can explain it is, they're throwing their voice. So they would take it from this voice and they would take it from this voice and flip them. So that if I'm looking for Philip, for example, and I hear Philip's voice and I know Philip's voice and I recognize Philip's voice, I can go to Philip's voice. But say Mandy's standing over here and is able to sound just like Philip, but I have this sheet on and I hear it and I start walking over to Mandy and she's like, come on, keep coming, keep coming. And all of a sudden I keep going that way because that's what I think is right. See, that's what happens. You start getting isolated, the spirit of deception comes on you and changes everything you think. It flips the way you think. You wanna know why the world is so messed up? You wanna know why all these crazy things are going on? that people think that killing babies when they're born is okay? It's because the spirit of deception is convincing that it's okay. Yet I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. See, it happened because they've chosen to isolate themselves. When they isolate themselves, the spirit of deception has rule and reign in anything they wanna do. And it convinces them that what they believe is wrong and what they think is now the way they want them to think. See, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll read this real quick, verses 10 through 13, it says this, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose is in life. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in all these different areas, but the Lord rescued me from it. Verse 12, yes, And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. He explains it right here, but listen to verse 13. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. See, this is what comes on. The spirit of deception, these two cross-reference right to each other. These two scriptures. The spirit of deception comes in, and when that veil comes over you, you literally, truly start to believe that is wrong and this is right. And until that veil is revealed, you won't tell the difference or know the difference until you're set free. And they hold on tight. Just because a Christian walks in the room, just because Jesus walked in the room, did not mean those people were set free. It wasn't until he took authority over them and those people gave that opportunity for him to take authority over it that things started happening. Look at the man who was demon-possessed, who nobody could, you know, they they tried to chain him down and he lived out in the hills and he did all this stuff and he came up to Jesus and the legion was inside of him. And all of a sudden he cast him out, threw him into the the herd of pigs and they ran off the cliff. Well, it was only when Jesus 
cast them out did they go. Not when his presence was around. So what I'm talking to you about this is without me giving that authority to you, there's nothing really that can happen. Just like that girl. That demon had to leave because I took authority over that situation when that generational curse left. But when he looked at me and said, I'll be back, it wasn't a threat to me. It was a promise to her if she didn't get her life right. That's what it came back down to. Those are the things that we need to understand. See, the, the spirit of deception has one goal, and it's to get you, it's to convince you what you would never think of doing is now okay to do. That is the ultimate goal. God's goal in our lives is to live life to the fullest. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about it because I've talked about the demons and how they work, but let me talk to you a little bit about how God works. And we're going to go quickly through this. This is a great scriptures. I want you to read this on your own, but 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17, and if you're turning there, I'm going to read it as we're going because we're getting close on time. It says this, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized their forces to capture him. But David who told, was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread across the valley of Repham. So David asked the Lord, should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? See, what did he do first? He didn't go fight, then ask God for help. He stopped, he asked God, what do I do? How do I handle this situation? The Lord answers and says, the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So he goes out. So David went out and he defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place after Belperism. It says the Philistines had abandoned their idols, so David and his men confiscated him. Verse 22. But after a while, the Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Raphim. And again, David asked the Lord, what do I do? See, here's a great thing that we need to understand. David gives us a lot of points right here. See, we think God is going to move the same way every single time. We think like this, if I were to come in here and God does a miracle on me, guess what I'm wanting to do the next week? I'm wearing the exact same clothes. I'm walking to church the same way. I'm driving the same car. I'm, I'm going to be this superstitious thing that if I do everything the exact same way, God is going to do the exact same thing. How many times in the New Testament did Jesus heal people the same way? I mean, there was one time he spit on the ground and rubbed it on the guy's eyes. I can only imagine being the blind guy, hearing somebody spit on the ground and put it on my face, and I'm like, what are you doing? But that's how he healed him at that point. There are other times he said, go get in the water. There are other times he said, be healed. There's all these different ways. God doesn't move the same way every single time. David stopped and he said, God, what do you want me to do today? See, yesterday is yesterday. Today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow. Each of them are their own. It's not our job to make them all the same. God may move yesterday one way and today a different way. Trust in him. Wake up in the morning and say, God, my will is yours. What do we, what do we get to do today? How do we handle this today? So he goes on, he says, but after a while, the Philistines returned. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind them and attack them near the popular trees. It says, when you hear the sound like marching feet in the tops of the trees, be on alert. Now, at this point, I'll probably go, wait, wait, what? Can you say that again? What are we doing? Go to the trees. When you get to the trees and you hear the marching on top of the trees, that's when you'll know to go. What? 
I've never heard marching on top of the trees. See, what's happening here is God is explaining something. He says, be on alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. See, what God is saying is this. This is the amazing part of this. If you continue to read through that, he goes through it. Now, there's two things I want you to understand right here. God moves in this, and he says, when you hear that, you start moving because I will always go before you. But he didn't say, David, you come with me and I'm gonna take you isolated alone and we're gonna go do this one thing. He said, you take your armies, I'm taking my armies and we're going together. See, so many times when we think I've gotta do this on my own, that's not how God moves. God gives you peace, he gives my wife peace, he gives my kids peace, he gives all these different people peace about knowing this is what it is. I will tell you this, I just transitioned to a a position a year and a half ago and we've kind of gone through all these things. I didn't have peace about it and I kept praying about it. My wife had peace about it. My kids had peace about it. I finally got peace about it. Uh, My father-in-law had peace about it. Pastor Stormy had peace. All these people, we had peace and I trusted the Lord. It's not been the easiest thing in the world but I will tell you this, when God moves, he moves in groups. It's not you alone, I'm gonna go this way, because here's the deal. Whenever you're convinced to go one way and everybody else is convinced to go a different way, it says wisdom comes in counsel, okay? When you're going one way and you're the one that says, I've gotta go this way, guess what? You're probably being deceived. Slow down and wait. It may, you may have the right answer, but you may have the wrong timing. And timing is as key as the answer. And that's what it comes back down to. David didn't move on his own until he heard what was going on. But then he's got to do this also. He's leading an army. So he goes and tells his generals, he said, hey boys, here's the deal. We're not attacking them straight on. They could say, but wait, that's what we did last time and it worked great. Yeah, but God told us to go behind. Okay, so we're going to come from behind. We're going to attack them from behind. Yep, but we're not going to attack them right away. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go behind. We're going to get to these trees. When we get to these trees, we're going to wait. All right, we're waiting until night. No, we're waiting until we hear marching on top of the trees. What are you talking about? There's going to be marching on top of these trees and we're going to follow the marching. Like like people are going to get up on top of trees and run. I don't know. God said there's going to be marching on top of the trees and when we hear the marching, we're going. See, when you start talking some of the amazing things that God does in the supernatural, it doesn't make sense to man's mind. That doesn't make sense to me. So if it doesn't make sense to me, then why should it be true? See, we're not living in a natural world we're understanding that there's a supernatural world that moves and has miracles and everything that's amazing happening there. The natural world gets to experience the supernatural. The natural world doesn't dictate or determine what the the supernatural does. The supernatural moves into the natural and makes amazing things happen. This is what it comes back down to. These are the choices and the things that we have to understand about this, is that the more we understand what God is doing here, It changes the view and everything. What God is telling is you might not sound right to anyone else, but it doesn't matter. Trust in what God's doing. Wait for the peace that God gives you and move when he asks you to move. The truth is that the Lord gives you a key to understanding when you're being affected by deception. When you have multiple people continually coming around or you're having to do this thing we call justify. I'm just justifying what I'm doing. I'm okay, guess what? At that moment, the moment you start to justify anything in your life, you should know right away I'm wrong. I'm not doing what God has asked me to do. When you try to convince others of what you're doing is okay and justify it, it's wrong. It's wrong. I should never have to justify reading the Bible. I should never have to justify coming to church. 
I should never have to justify to pray. Those things you would never have to justify, but I do have to justify when I'm doing what's wrong and trying to convince people it's right. But that's what the spirit of deception will do every single time. Understand this. Christians can be affected and moved by this too. Every one of us has an angel. And I want you to understand this. Every one of you have an angel. I've talked about the way that Kelly saw my son when he was in my wife's stomach. From the first time that I was ever told about my angel, my first year of ministry, God told me this simple thing. Don't try to be what you think God wants you to be, but be you and stay humble and trust the Lord. That's what it comes back down to. Stay humble and trust the Lord. The last scripture, I'm not gonna have time to cover it, but it's in Isaiah. It basically understands this. Mark 11, 23, Matthew 7, 7, Isaiah 55, this is uh, 55, 6. And it shares such an incredible thought. If you've got to go ahead and throw it up there real quick. But I want you to understand this, the truth and what it comes back down to is when you ask God to move and do something, amazing things start to happen. And so I want you to understand I just want to read it real quick. I thought it was going to be up there, but it's not yet. 55.6. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him and call on him now while he is near. The supernatural is real and God is ready to move. That's the thing I want you to understand. And so I want you to understand these thoughts. If there's something going on in your life, it's time to stop putting up with it. And it's time to deal with it. Let's move forward and let's let God be the miracle that we've always been seeking and watch him move. Lay down the past, ask for forgiveness, get those things out of your life and watch God start to move. It starts with humility. I'm gonna ask you just one thing. If you would go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm gonna pray with you. If you're in this place and you're ready to see God move, at the end of service, we're gonna give you an opportunity to come up here. We're gonna have people that are gonna be around. They'll be able to pray with you. They'll be able to talk with you and help you walk through this. But I want you to understand the blessings that God has. He's ready to move if we're ready to receive it. And so if you're in this place and you're ready for those things, maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you that opportunity right now because this is the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. And so if you're in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed and you're ready to say, God, I'm ready to fully commit, go 100%. Listen, every week there have been hands that have gone up in a Wednesday night service. This may be your night. You may have been sitting here waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm telling you this, God is ready for you tonight. And so if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're ready to say, God, I'm ready to fully commit, just lift your hand up in the air and say, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me where I'm at right now? As I look across this room, listen, I see there are hands that are moving. There are hands that are going up. This is a choice between you and God. You make this decision to say, I'm ready to fully, 100% commit to the Lord because I'm ready. As the Lord said, as the word said, as the truth said, that if I will obey you and seek you, you will take care of everything that I have. I'm ready to commit. Listen, I see those hands that are going up. Is there anyone else in this place that you know God's been tugging on your heart and you're ready to fully commit? I'm gonna pray with you right now. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer and I'm gonna ask you to pray it loud enough you can hear with your own ears. And I'm gonna ask everyone else, would you pray this also with these others that have lifted their hands and said, I'm ready tonight. Pray this, say, Father, I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that you are alive, that you have forgiven me, that you love me, and that I am a new creation in you. I set you as Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me 
Teach me, help me to be the best man or woman that I can be in you. I give my life, my choices, my will to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. For those of you that raise your hand, man, this is a big deal. Don't leave this place with just saying, ah, I'll get it figured out next week. Come up here, talk to somebody. Let them walk you through a plan on how to get better because it's not just about accepting the Lord, it's becoming a disciple in the Lord. And so I encourage you to do that. If there are others of you that are waiting for a miracle and tonight's your night, come up here. The prayer team is gonna be ready. We're gonna pray, we're gonna lay hands on you and you're gonna get healed. God's gonna move. There are great things that are happening. I'm telling you this, there was an anointing that came in here this morning. When I came in here, there was an anointing. God always moves. There's a big cloud that moves. There's a cloud that is sitting right here at the altar. I'm telling you, you come with an expectation. You watch God move. He's going to do it. So if the prayer team, you guys will be up here at the front. Otherwise, God bless you guys. Don't forget about the ice cream out front. Thank you guys so much. I'm sorry I went a little bit over. I apologize. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit Faith Church Lubbock.